your complete betting guide to this weekend's English Premier League action. Please gamble responsibly. This is the Sportsbet.io Premier League podcast. Welcome to the Sportsbet.io Premier League preview for a midweek extra special event uh, where we clear up all the games that have been uh, postponed or moved for whatever. Teams are heading for quadruples and things like that. Um, also for COVID, quite a few of these games are moved for that. Um, so we do have six games midweek. Uh, we have one on the Tuesday, four on Wednesday, and uh, a very intriguing one on Thursday at Turf Moor. Uh, happy to say that uh, I've got Dave Tyndall, betting guru with me, also a football commentator extraordinaire. John Driscoll is uh, all joining us today. And uh, we've had a pretty decent weekend uh, previously. Uh, we were looking through these Easter fixtures before uh, before today. And... Um, uh, Dave, we, we, we did okay. I know we, we can look back and say, well, we said this and we said that, but we, we did, did all right over the weekend. Yeah, I think so. We uh, we thought Norwich would do something, even if it was just score a goal at Old Trafford, and they did, and they almost fought back to get a heroic draw before Ronaldo does, did one of his Roy the Rovers acts, which uh, pop up every so often these days, normally in games like that. Um, and then... We thought Brighton would maybe mess up Spurs' uh, top four bid, and they did. Uh, terrible game, but Brighton with a better team and probably deserved it in the end. Uh, so, yeah, it was OK. And John, we're, st- we're still reeling from the loss of Sean Dyche, um, although he was he was out he was out <clears> of <throat> some gig on Sunday night, so he was enjoying himself in Nottingham. Um, but Burnley against Southampton finishes off this week on, on Thursday, and um, <clears throat> much of... Probably what will happen at the bottom for the rest of the season will will be defined by what happens this week with the the Everton the first Everton game against Leicester of two that they're playing and then Burnley against Southampton on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. The reaction to Sean Dyke because we we were discussing it you know, fresh, weren't we, the other day when when it had just happened. Uh, there's been a lot of support for him, hasn't there? And and I think justifiably so because it, it done a terrific job. Doesn't seem to be an obvious plan, does there, for for what to do without him? So uh, you know he's off there enjoying himself, spending the first bit of his payoff, which I'm sure was was very generous. It just seems weird, doesn't it, that they they gave him a four year contract early this season, which uh, and it's not a shock that Burnley are in a relegation battle. So it therefore implies that the 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 point of giving him the contract was that they would stick with him if they go down. Unless you know, unless they go down with five points or something, but they're not. They're, you know, they're fighting for it, aren't they? So it just seemed a strange move, didn't it? And then, you know, they did all right the other day, but there's no reason that they wouldn't have done that under under Dyche. So it's just, yeah, yeah, doesn't seem to make any sense. So I, mean, I think they're up against it. I think Everton will survive. Is my my view in the overall? I think the bottom three will be the bottom three come the end of the season. Well, we'll see how this midweek uh, sorts some of those issues out. Uh, we do start with. Uh, a titanic struggle at Anfield. Um, we will kick off with Liverpool versus Manchester United. Eight o'clock Tuesday night. Liverpool very short. Manchester United going to Anfield. Probably one of the longest prices they've been at for a long, long time. At 6.66. The draw is 4.75. Over three and a half goals is 2.33. Under is uh, 1.61. Uh, Dave Tyndall. Uh, Liverpool off the back of a uh, very impressive performance against Manchester City certainly first half I think that's what they wanted to do was go out there and get themselves a lead and try and protect it and they just about did that Um, but they face a Manchester United side who they absolutely battered at the start (laughs) earlier in the season at Old Trafford will 
will we expect this to be a bit tighter, a bit more nervy for Liverpool? Um, yeah, I mean, that 5-0 was just extraordinary, wasn't it? That, that was one for the ages, one that Liverpool fans will look at the YouTube highlights forever and a day and, and see. That was probably peak Mo Salah. I suppose that's the difference this time. Salah's was absolutely on fire at that stage at the moment. He can't seem to score a goal, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop Liverpool, does it? Other players step up. So if Salah's not doing it, Mane steps up, Jota steps up, steps up. Firmino got a couple of goals in uh, against Benfica. Luis Diaz has been great. So the, that's the thing with Liverpool. If, if one of the, the front five, I guess we're calling it now, misfires, the others step in. Um, whereas Man United, unless it's Ronaldo, who's going to score a goal, really? that You just don't <laughs> really think of anybody. Ronaldo was a very subdued figure. I mean, he's up in that first 5 0 And, yeah, I... I it's hard to make any sort of case for Man United. This was a fixture down the years I'd always be a bit petrified for as a Liverpool fan, but not at the moment. That The, the win against Manchester City was such a boost. And even though yeah, the scoreline looks so, and it kind of was in the last minute, but Liverpool could have scored a number of goals on the breakaway when it went chaotic. So it could have been 4-1 that, and then it would have been what a rampant Liverpool performance. But... You know, Man United's got just got about got over the line against Norwich. They haven't really got the midfield. I think Fred and McTominay are injured. They're going to be out. So you you wonder how they're going to stop Liverpool, really. So it, it just looks like a a home win to me. And Liverpool have won every home game in 2022 in the Premier League, and I think they will continue. Uh, John, Manchester United have found Anfield a very, very difficult place to go in recent seasons. Um, a couple of really dull nil-nil draws. In fact, three very dull nil-nil draws. Now, but the, they do not score goals at Anfield. One in six in all competitions. One goal in six matches at at Anfield. And they face a Liverpool side who are, well, I was going to say winding themselves up. but They're in the middle of quite the run. And while Salah isn't isn't performing, Sadio Mane is. Yeah, yeah. So, so Salah hasn't scored in open play since February the 19th, which is extraordinary, isn't it? He's got one goal in 12, uh, including the, the Egypt games. He does look tired, doesn't he? Um, it's a long-term problem, isn't it, that? I think, you know, the, the blistering start to the season was based at, not entirely around Salah's goals, but it was it was a massive boost to them in lots of situations, wasn't it? So um, I'm not saying that's a problem for this, this week. I'm saying, you, you know, Liverpool do need to address that regular flow of goals basically from from some sources and maybe they have maybe Mane will maybe he'll come back to score uh, Luis Diaz maybe Firmino will score all of those things maybe maybe that you know maybe it's not the problem I think I think it might be uh, it's difficult to make a case for Manchester United I suppose the case for Manchester United is sometimes these big games we hype them and then they're poor aren't they and you get a rubbish game out of it I just don't see, I don't really see what United have got about them that can make a game rubbish, that can sort of collapse a scrum, you know, in rugby terms. I don't know, I don't know how they go about doing that because of the, the obvious, I mean, we put it down to lack of character. I, I suspect it's more lack of structure in, in the club. I don't think it's run as a super club is run. Uh, Rangnick has come in and, you know, sort of looked around, thought, I don't know what I can do with this lot in this amount of time. And they just seem to be treading water as they were treading water under Solskjaer before. Um, I mean, that said, somehow this weekend they they got back into the race for a Champions League place because they're the only team that won the game 
even though they stumbled past Norwich, De Gea made a brilliant save uh, to stop Norwich going in front, uh, having you know made, made the comeback. Uh, Tim Krul doesn't save a, a Cristiano Ronaldo free kick. Whenever I see Cristiano Ronaldo lining up for a free kick, I, ju- I just relax. You know, it's time to go and put the kettle on because obviously free kicks take you know take ages to be taken anyway, and he usually just smashes them into the wall. Um, but obviously. Got the better of Tim Crawl with it, didn't it? Um, this, this is not going to be hat trick number 61 for Cristiano Ronaldo. I can't see them, um, you know, making it a bad game. I think Liverpool will be comfortably better. Maybe looking at that, you know, the over goals. I'm not even thinking one nil. I'm thinking Liverpool to, to win it pretty comfortably. Liverpool on over two and a half goals is 1.81, so that is short. Over three and a half in the game is 2.75. United, they do like an away goal, don't they, Dave? But not at Anfield, that's the thing. It's um, And they came up short against Everton last time out. The, the race for the top four is is very much a race of, of, of teams who are not quite as good as the top three. And, and it's it's quite clear at times quite how much how much poorer they are than certainly than City and Liverpool and, and Chelsea to, to some extent in that they, they might well put in a, a performance and if against Norwich that's a that's a very much a, an entertaining three two home victory in a game that means pretty, well meant relatively nothing, nearly got away from them as they took their eye off the ball and then there's the entertainer at the end to make it three two. But yeah. it's all very, very small glimmers now and again, but United aren't shining bright at all. Yeah, the the problem if if we're saying Ronaldo is the only real reliable goal source, and he is, well, his his last away goal came in early December, so it's all very well getting the glory at, at Old Trafford when the you know, the fans are behind you, you've got more of the ball, and it's you don't have to you know run around, use your legs as much. Away from home, it's been a bit of a struggle for him. So that doesn't bode well. So it's it's whether I think Liverpool win the game. It's whether you give United a goal. It's almost like saying, will it be three what three nil or three one? That, that I think that's start that Ronaldo does struggle to score away from home. Probably leads me to Liverpool winning with a clean sheet. To be honest, um, that's two point four two. Liverpool with both teams to score yeah. two point six six. It's quite a big boost, isn't it, from the basic Liverpool win price to to do it with a clean sheet. And I know they've let in a few of late. But I mean, those games were against Manchester City, two of them. Generally at home in the Premier League, Liverpool hardly concede a goal. I think they've got the best uh, defensive home record in the in the league. They've only let in seven goals at Anfield in the Premier League. You know, Man City 12, Chelsea 14. So it's clearly the best home defensive record in the league. And I think they can continue that. So yeah, I would go Liverpool to win with a clean sheet and the scoreline 2 or 3 nil. John, in agreement on that one? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think it's a good point, isn't it? Liverpool and the clean sheet was that two point four two? Did you say compared to Liverpool and over two and a half at one point eight one? I think it's yeah, it's safer. Yeah, it's better, better, isn't it? I think. Okay, so Liverpool uh, very short, but for for good reason. The running that they've got, uh, they have been uh, winning at half time and at full time uh, in six of the last seven home matches at Anfield and they've kept the clean sheet in five out of their last six uh, and they've only conceded one against Manchester United in six home games in all competitions going back to that you know, Europa League game in 2016 uh, as I mentioned a few nil-nils there but um, some very important games uh, which uh, there was the Salah last minute game wasn't there where suddenly Liverpool fans realised that they, they might just win the league uh, at home to Manchester United um, and before that a couple of uh, Shakiri deflections in a 3-1 win 
over Manchester United. Um, so that's Liverpool against Manchester United, our uh, one and only game on Tuesday night. But what a game it is in the Premier League. Uh, coming up, we will talk about Wednesday's matches and four of them to talk about. This is the sportsbet.io Premier League preview podcast. I'm David Eason. Hello. I've got Dave Tyndall and John Driscoll with me looking through the midweek matches in the Premier League. And we have four to discuss on the Wednesday night, followed by a third, a third, a fifth even, on Thursday night, uh, which is Burnley against Southampton. Uh, let's have a look then at uh, Wednesday's games. There's some very interesting ones on paper, but then you wonder exactly how how tight they will be. Uh, but I will kick off with the the, the meeting of, of the big six, as, as you might want to call them. Chelsea, cup finalists. Uh, they are 1.96. Is it just the FA Cup to go for now? Do they care about the league? Can they just stroll into third position against Arsenal, who are now in dreadful form after having looked like the side who are going to grab fourth? Uh, who will do that? Who's, as the, the fourth place hot potato is being passed around uh, the rest of the fading big six in the Premier League. The draw is 3.5. Arsenal are four to win this. Over two and a half goals is two. And under two and a half is 1.8. John Driscoll. Um, Chelsea, after that semi-final when they weren't exactly at um, at full pelt, but were, did enough to beat Crystal Palace at Wembley. Will Chelsea relish Arsenal coming to Stamford Bridge, where it's a team that is really down in the doldrums <clears throat> with players injured, threadbare squad, and looking like although they're still sort of in it with other results, but look, looking like they can't turn it around. Yeah, I mean, they've really, they've messed this up, Arsenal, haven't they, with this run of defeats. It's extraordinary, given that other results, given that Spurs came from behind them to go above them, looked like they're in brilliant form, and then hit the buffers. Uh, no one seems to want that fourth place today, but th- I mean, they, these three defeats are so costly for Arsenal, especially now with Chelsea. I think you'd say Chelsea should win this game. Um, we are yet to be convinced that Arsenal were good enough against the top teams anyway, and then their form against the not-top teams seems to have hit the buffers a bit as, as well. Uh, Chelsea won three in a row. I know it probably doesn't feel like it because uh, one of those involved going out of the Champions League, but they did go to the Bernabeu and, and win that game and, and score three game, three goals. So it was the, it was the home leg that they, that they really messed up. And then, um, I don't know if they were in line. I mean, Tuchel said they deserved to win the game. There was... You know, Real Madrid scored more goals over the two games. None of them were dodgy or anything, so they didn't really deserve to win the game. Um, the the issue of strikers and their form is a problem for Chelsea, of course, isn't it? Um, 97 million of uh, Romelu Lukaku uh, is not looking like particularly well-spent money at the moment. And then Timo Werner, my, uh, you know, a favourite of mine, as, as you know, Dave, from uh, our past discussions, the, the, uh, the commentator, he was going through on goal the other day, and the commentator says... Timo Werner going through on goal, and that always spells danger. And I and it made me smile. And, I, the ball back and then he overran the ball, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. It's, it's an extraordinary character, Timo Werner. Um, maybe, maybe people would, would like to put their hard-earned money on Timo Werner to score a goal. It, none of, it's certainly not my recommendation. His movement is good. In a way, he's a bit like Chelsea. Create chances, get in good positions, and then can't can't finish them off. But I think they should have too much. For Arsenal and Arsenal, with a couple of key players, Saka in particular looks looks tired. Lacazette, you know, lost lost his way. Martinelli was another player struggling. So some of the players who had been in great form short, relatively short time ago, 
um, are now not. And it looks like it's a struggle now for, for Arsenal to the end of the season. Uh, Dave, just what John's mentioned there. I mean, mm. Mason Mount is the only player in the Chelsea squad to hit 10 goals this season, which which is just, it feels odd that Chelsea side, who looked dominant at times and beating team 6-0, as he did, did against Southampton. Kai Havertz has seven. Jorginho has six. And and then then you're looking at Reese James, who scored as many as Lukaku. They they if they if they if only they had a striker, which you know they spent ninety six million pounds on. I'll slightly stick up for Timo Werner. He has got ten goals in all competitions oh, okay. this season. Only three in the league. Uh, if you if you if you add in Germany, uh, which seems to, I'm sure there must be his brother who plays for Germany. It's a different <laughs> bloke. Um, to be fair to him, I mean, if you if you didn't know. If you didn't watch Timo Werner and just saw him as a name on a sheet, you'd say he's got three in his last three games. Got two away to Southampton, one in Real Madrid. You think, oh, he's a player. But yeah, he's maddening, isn't he? Absolutely a strange, remarkably odd player. That said, he does. it's almost like Adama Traore used to be for Wolves. Somehow, you know, he's not going to score, but he worries you as an opposition fan. You think, oh, he's, look at his pace, he's going to... He's going to do something. He's always a sort of latent threat there. But, yeah, so he, I mean, you could argue that he's in some of his better form of the, he did get man of the match in the FA Cup semi-final, uh, to be fair. He's in some of his better form. It's almost like Lukaku, they, they have given up on. They might just sort of wheel him out for 15 minutes at the end uh, when they're already winning. Um, but, yeah, t- Chelsea, you just, you, you just trust a lot more in a fixture like this. I mean, can you imagine Arsenal going away to Real Madrid and winning? No. So, Chelsea... Arsenal did win this fixture last year. It came when Chelsea were in a bit of a poor run near the end before they played in the Champions League final. Um, but oh, it, I know Chelsea are kind of in a no-man's land of third, but there's players there who want to play in the FA Cup final and, and stake a claim for that. And I agree with John. I think some of Arsenal's better players are they're running out of gas a little bit. He's had to go to the well quite a lot with with sort of younger players that ideally he, he would have been he would have preferred to rotate. Arsenal they're they're kind of all or nothing away from home. They've they've won seven, lost seven, drawn one. But the fact that they've lost seven, you know, and Burnley have only lost eight away from home. Arsenal do lose a lot of games on the road. Chelsea aren't the most reliable at home, but I just think. It's quite a decent game for Chelsea after an FA Cup semi, a sort of big game. Uh, so it's it's down to trust, isn't it? And you trust Chelsea, not Arsenal. Yeah, it's traditionally not not a, a happy hunting ground, Stamford Bridge, uh, for Arsenal. They they won in 2011 uh, by five goals to three, a Van Persie hat trick in that one, and then there was, as you mentioned, the uh, the victory uh, last season. But pre, but not much else in, in between. Uh, so last May, the the Arsenal goal was scored by Emil Smith Rowe, and we've mentioned him in in every every single one of these podcasts that he's a, he's a player who could score a goal, but he should score more goals. But similarly to Saka, John, he seemed to run out of steam as well, which is understandable. They're very young players; they don't seem to have big personalities around them to help them through games, and the, a, a lot of the weight is on their shoulders. Yeah, he nearly scored the other day, didn't he? Um, uh, good save, denied him. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying don't go with him as, as a as, as an option, but 
he had that little purple patch and then oddly lost his place. It wasn't playing as a first, as a starter, was he? When he was scoring all the goals, he was coming off the bench and then sometimes starting. But uh, he obviously, uh, Arteta decided he was too similar, wants to play in the same position at least as Odegaard. So couldn't find a way in for, for both of them. Uh, they... They need to do, you know, you know, they need a, a top quality, experienced centre forward, like the guy at Barcelona, you know, uh, Aubameyang. They, that's the, that's the kind of player Arsenal need. Uh, I, I think the guy at Chelsea. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I fancy he'll turn up at Tottenham next season and score about thirty goals for yeah. his former manager. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. should be some roundabouts this this summer. Yeah, I think kind of just one thing about Lukaku that uh, that you said, Dave. About, it's extraordinary, isn't it? The clubs write off players. No, they can't. What? How can they? What can you do about this? There's 97 million quid. He's got a long contract. No one's given them anything like that. You know, he's not going back to Inter for 90 million or anything like that, is he? And so it's extraordinary that clubs just, oh, well, no, well, we tried. <laughs> well, Chelsea right. have a long, I mean, Chelsea have ruined everyone bar <laughs> yeah. Didier Drogba. Yeah. You know, some of the great strikers in world football have turned up in Chelsea and, and gone away with their tail between their legs. It's just it does not work for a for a striker at Chelsea and it's always should, should and we go Costa back? as well. Cost, Costa and Drogba stand out a mile, the rest yeah. have been a disaster. And yeah. then Higuain, um Torres. Shishchenko, Torres. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a very long list of, of strikers going back nearly twenty years now who've gone there. Um Crespo was there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The great Chris Sutton was there as the well. Chris Sutton, yeah, there, yes, yeah. yes. That, he ruined him as well. Twenty-five, yeah. got thirty yeah. years. Wouldn't play for England <laughs> B, and that was him done. Um, so that's Chelsea against Arsenal. One point nine six Chelsea is a tempter for me at home. Um, not not a bad price. I know it's I know it's odds against, but um, Chelsea again. Are, are we saying a relatively simple Chelsea win? Arsenal just seem to just not have the firepower, John. Yeah, yeah. And then it's a question of, are they going goal crazy? Probably not. I think that the Southampton, I thought, but they got three against Real Madrid, six against Southampton. So, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know on the, on the, on the, on, yeah, maybe just stick with that 1.96 for the, you know, the Chelsea win. Seems, you know, maybe that's the, the safe place to go. Dave, you back in Timo Werner in a Chelsea victory? <laughs> Kind of uh, put my cards down, haven't I, with him now? Um, I feel bad if he just six any time. That's all right. So I, I must, I probably prefer him on the road, where he's probably going to be a bigger price, and he enjoys the space more. Uh, I, I think this might be similar to Liverpool Man United, uh, Chelsea win to nil. Uh, so I would go, I would take that, and again maybe, maybe two nil. Arsenal can can look pretty limp at times. Um, they did against Southampton. So, yeah, I think Chelsea have got, got this in them to win this to nil. To boost the price again to something over two. It's three. You can have it's three, three, is it? Wow. So, that yeah, that, that's not too bad at all. And then you can have a correct score. If you want to go two nil and, and stick that on, you can have 8.4 in a Chelsea two nil victory, uh, which we think will be uh, relatively simple for Chelsea against Arsenal. Uh, the... Uh, I was going to say the big game on on Wednesday evening, but there's there's a couple that might might just push it either way. Uh, let's have a look at one of those as uh, as we move on in uh, the rest of these games in the Premier League. And looking at what we've got, let's well let's look at the Everton Leicester game. First of two Everton Leicester games where these fixtures have uh, have fallen. Both 
Um, well, one was pushed a bit further and one was quite a long time ago. It was pushed to, to where it's going to be uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, Everton, probably Dave Tindall, well, looking a lot safer than they were about two weeks ago. Do, do you feel as if they just need to, maybe these two games against Leicester are the, are the ones that they can pick out and go, we might be able to pick up six points there because Leicester got nothing get nothing to play for at all. And we saw as, as they conceded a late, a late winner for Newcastle at the weekend, they are thoroughly mid-table. Yeah, I mean, they were unlucky to lose at Newcastle. I, I covered that game and uh, they were in you know, total control, really. Um, there was a stat midway through the second half where they, <laughs> they'd had 84% possession uh, in the second half. So they just got done at the end. Obviously, that was it, it was always going to be a fairly tough game. I mean, Newcastle are a good home team. All of a sudden, um, I don't know whether we can call it Fortress St. James's, but they do win a lot of home games. You know, they eke out wins at home. So it wasn't a disgrace that Leicester should lose there. And they were coming on the back of that PSV victory, Leicester, I think they made seven changes. So it, it, they are having to juggle quite a bit. Um, it's a good chance, isn't it, for Everton to to get another win, I think, though. Leicester are just hovering around mid-table. All their eyes are on Europe. But again, they'll have players who want to impress. Uh, if they do go all the way to that final and, and make it. Mad Madison was only a sub against uh, Newcastle, came on for the last 20 or so minutes. I think he'll start, and I always like him for a goal. I think that would be something to look for. Madison had to pop up with a goal, scores plenty away from home. Everton, yeah, if they do survive, it's going to be via Goodison Park um, form. Um, so, a bit of a tough one to call. I, I, I Maybe I'm landing around the draw. Uh, Leicester, Leicester's away form is really poor. They've failed to win nine of their last ten away from home. At Goodison, they've won one out of the last six in all competitions, uh, but they do always tend to score. Uh, so they've they've drawn uh, they've drawn two of those, uh, including the last time they played at Goodison, where Tielemans equalised a James Rodriguez uh, opener for Everton. Uh, John Driscoll, do you think Leicester, maybe, I've suggested that Everton might enjoy playing Leicester over two games in the next few weeks, but Leicester might actually be the worst kind of team who, who, who like passing the ball around, like playing attacking football, and Everton who do not like defending because they've got no one who can do it. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, I don't think there's any particular, we have this notion that playing a mid-table team is a good thing, don't we? I've never seen any kind of evidence to back that up, that... Um, that seems relaxed, particularly in, on the beach. I don't think that's really a, a particular reality is in, in, in football, at the top-level football. I think that happens. That said, um, you can always, you always fancy a goal against Leicester, don't you? For all, you know, they, they might have had that better that game against Newcastle, but Casper Smichel still juggled one up there, didn't he, and, and said, please kick that into the goal. Um, I thought he got away with it, didn't he, because, the, you know, the referee was drawn into giving the foul. Um Madison's, I think, well, Vardy's their top scorer, isn't he, Leicester? And he, and he hasn't played a lot of football. So after that, you're looking at Madison, Luckman, nicks in with the odd goal along the way as well. I'm not convinced by, you know, he, well, neither is Brendan Rodgers between the strikers that he rotates between when Vardy isn't available. So they're, they're not a, they're not a fearsome side, Leicester. The only, they got that nil-nil, didn't they, against PSV, which was the only hint of a clean sheet. So it's not a bad... 
it's not a bad one. I don't think this for, for Everton, if you fancy it, seems like an eight. I seem to have watched 100 football matches since Everton beat Man United 1-0. It seems to have been uh, ages ago, doesn't it, that that game was played. Um, I mean, they're not very good, Everton. Um, so, so, you know, you bear that in mind. Incisive comment on this podcast. <laughs> bear that in they mind when you're putting your, it's true, though. Yeah, your hard-earned money on them. So, But, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, I might be tempted into saying this one for, you know, Everton get something positive out of this, maybe. Uh, the prices then are uh, Everton 2.4, Leicester a 3, the draw is 3.4, over 2.5 goals is 1.92, under 2.5 is 1.88. Uh, the both teams to score is 1.71. Dave, the traders seem a bit... They can't judge Leicester in this either. It would seem... Is, is 3 a decent price or, or do you think they should be... Maybe it is about right. Yeah, maybe it is about right. I, I think the the idea of trust again Everton can't defend very well Leicester can't defend very well but Leicester do always seem to find a goal Everton they do seem to find a goal at home so I do like it's not an amazing price but I do like both teams to score it's then whether you bump it up and think will it be over say three and a half goals I could see a 2-2 maybe Something like this, I think. I always, I don't I always like Leicester for a goal, but they they just can't defend. And I know Lampard has has managed to get a couple of one nil home wins so far. But yeah, Leicester. I agree with your assessment. They are they are sort of dangerous. Um, they've always they're always going to score goals. They should they should have got a draw at Newcastle. Could arguably have won that game. So I'm I'm keeping faith with Leicester. I, I don't say, as John said, you don't just write them off as on the beach. They are, they have a European trophy to play for. And I think Rogers is quite keen that they don't drift and finish about 13. So this, this is an obvious game for them to, to try and um, show up and, and show what they've got. So yeah, a high scoring draw maybe would be where I go with this. Leicester's fixtures are uh, Everton away, then home to Villa, then it's uh, uh, Roma next week uh, then they go to Spurs and then it's Roma uh, once more um, and then they face Everton again in May 8th of May so they, they finish their season uh, with Norwich Watford Chelsea and Southampton so mid-table a little bit more than that they, they are a long way away from Wolves although with a couple of games in hand and this is one of them Everton against Leicester uh, John are you tipping Leicester just to get this one with the, their propensity for away goals Quite like that, both the score again, because they're both unconvincing defensively, aren't they? Particularly if, if Michael Keynes is back, then I'm definitely, you know, erring towards that. Um, more goals being scored in the game. Um, could I come back? No, you know, I think if you play it safe, both the score at 1.71 rather than adding Leicester in. Don't, yeah, maybe depends how ambitious you want to be. Sounds like a draw. Sounds like we're telling Everton would do it. Would snap that point out of your hand straight away just mm-hmm. to push themselves slightly further away from Burnley who only got that point at West Ham at the weekend and they play on Thursday with the pressure on them against Southampton uh, let's have a look at one of the other games then uh, possibly rather simpler possibly though Brighton got off the back of two victories at uh, at Arsenal and at Tottenham go to Manchester City and they looked, looked at their running John Driscoll and, and thought that's, that's not a good few weeks that particularly on the, in the form that we're in 
and suddenly they've gone and grabbed themselves two fabulous wins, really, and Brighton are back on it again. Yeah, it's it's an extraordinary turnaround, isn't it? Um, you know, it's hard to see coming. I know we, we did discuss the possibility of them uh, doing something, but a couple of you know, they had that run of defeats where they they it looked like that it was all lackluster. No one was scoring goals. It was all too slow the build up. But they're they're a threat in this kind of game, aren't they? Brighton, it's, 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 you see, Potter seems to rise to the challenge sometimes, doesn't he? Of of, of coming up with a way of. Because they put a, put a wet blanket on Spurs the other day. Spurs, who had been so dynamic, so effective, they closed down Son whenever he got near the ball. Harry Kane didn't have any time and space as well. So uh, they, this is not the shoe in that you might have, that you might imagine. I think. I think obviously you think City should be too strong, um, but City, you know, haven't won in three. Um, if you know, if you include the Atletico Madrid game, of course, which was a, a goalless draw, they've won three games out of eight. It's not exactly glittering form, not blowing teams aside. So maybe there, maybe you know, it's it's we should give some consideration to Brighton. Dave, Brighton always go to City, get rightly praised by Pep Guardiola, and <laughs> then hammered. Oh, not well. They don't <laughs> no, not hammered. They've they've lost one nil, one nil, but they've, they've, there's been four, a four nil and a two nil. And they don't score at Manchester City, um, but every, you know, Pep, Pep loves playing them because. He can maybe see the see the gaps. He can see he can see the way through, and, and better for him, his team can see the gaps through through a Brighton side when when they turn up at the Etihad. But but John's right there, isn't it? City not uh, they're they're in they're in a battle. They don't really like to be in a battle, but this time in it, at the end of the season, Pep likes his likes his leagues won just after Christmas, and they've got that their fronts are diminishing. Yeah, I mean, any other team, you'd say. Three wins out of eight, that's that's pretty average form. And there's still this idea that City are the absolute pinnacle. You know, it, it, you know they should have beaten Liverpool maybe at the Etihad in that game. And you can make some excuses for the, you know, ha- had it gone on a bit longer at Wembley. But the fact is you can't keep making excuses for them and, and that they aren't winning games. And Brighton are one of the most impressive teams I've seen at Anfield this season. They, they, they went 2-0 down and fought back to draw 2-2 and, you know, some great performances there. Trossard was a threat all day. He scored the winner at Spurs. So, so, so Brighton have picked up seven points at Anfield, Tottenham Hot Spurs Stadium and, uh, and at Arsenal. I don't know why I forgot Arsenal's ground then. I was trying to reel off too many grounds in a row. The, <laughs> the Emirates. Emirates. Yes, it was too much for me. Um so they are, a, they are. A, I mean, the strange thing with Brighton is you think how how can you be that good and yet have have had that terrible run? Where does that come from? Maybe it's just that they are, they do set up well against the bigger teams, which obviously in a game against Manchester City it, it could could be a good one for them. I know there's that history where where you could say our pet you know just enjoys a good game of football against some of the sort of team he'd rather play than Atletico or somebody. Um, but in this form, Brighton must just think this is a completely free hit to go and annoy another big team. And City, while they're not winning, it's just a sort of fixture. I think if you're going to have a value bet, maybe you, maybe some of the bets on Wednesday, you think, or this week, you'll think, yeah, Liverpool to win, Man United, that's going to win, that's going to win. That's This is one way you think, well, um, 
I'm chancing my arm a little bit, but for the value I'm getting, it's worth a little a little gamble. Do gamble responsibly, though. We're um, obviously recording this before Liverpool play Manchester United, so we don't quite know what City will, will need to do to, to go into this. But they'll still think whatever's happened on Tuesday at Anfield, <laughs> they, they still will feel that they need to win every Premier League game before, between now and the end of the season, John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, they're, they're the two dominant teams, aren't they, this season? Um, and generally, when you look over the piece in, in you know the recent seasons, that's been the case, hasn't it? I, I did see someone quite well uh, pointing out on, on social media this week the pre-season predictions, because now everyone's saying, oh, it's always Liverpool, Man City. And someone, hang on, there's a big long list of pundits who went for Chelsea this season to win the league and who were saying that Manchester United would be uh, you know, second or third in there. So, you know, a little bit of revisionism that it says it's just these two teams all the time. But it's not it's not unfeasible that they both win every game to the end of the season. It's, it's possible, isn't it, that that's, that's how the, the, the sprint to the line goes um, because they are very strong. But chances are they're going to drop something somewhere. Uh, what about the possibility of this? Uh, you know, I, I see Brighton frustrating them. Um, it's not. It hasn't got three two written on this, has it? Um, so you know, I'm, I'm thinking, whatever happens, I can see Brighton deliberately making it. Well, understandably, it's not like they're cheating. Making it as frustrating for City as they possibly can. Not trying to hit them quickly on the break, but you know, you're trying to eat up all that space in the middle of the pitch. Stop, stop City playing the way they want to play. Play. Can I whisper this in case there's any uh, TV, uh, BT sport pundits around? Play a bit like Atletico Madrid, but without some of the worst histrionics and frustrate City. So uh, a possibility. City don't like they don't like a lot of things, but they, they certainly don't like being, being nil-nil at half-time. They, they don't like uh, having to continue to play towards the end of games and, and not having games won early. And it, that's... It's been a, a long-standing issue for when their seasons do falter is that they, they don't get, take that early lead. When they were you know, dominating, winning 15 games to win a title, they'd be 2-0 up in a quarter of an hour and that'd be game over. Slightly different when, when the pressure starts to build, isn't it, David? And, and you're never quite sure where, where they're going to crack when, when in the seasons when they have cracked. Sometimes it can be, you know, you, you might well look at that, at that that form that they're in now and think, well, hold on a minute, there's something not quite right here. Yeah, I think so. Certainly, I think if you just said to, to most people, City have only won three out of eight, they'd go, really? Until you kind of start thinking about it a little clearer. You know, you, you sometimes look at one of the football stats stat sites and you'll see Man City's fixtures and it's just WW, win-win, you know, absolute stream of them or there'll be like 15 out of 16. And um, we saw that probably between uh, November and and January, where they, they seem to just knock out win after win after win after win. Something is troubling them at the minute. They, you know, you go back to this idea of, I know there's such an obvious counter-argument, but there's, there's so many, if, if you compare them to Liverpool, there's so many people in the Liverpool team who look more likely to score than a Man City forward. Who are the, who, who's the Man City person to get a goal if it's not if it's not De Bruyne, say, and he's a little bit injured, where do they, you know, there's no absolute certainty to score a goal. And sometimes, I don't know, you just need someone to, to get you out of jail just to, to bang one in. So I do, I do, I know it's a it's a, an argument you can go back and forth with, but, and I know just buying a 
a striker to bolt onto your team doesn't always work, as Chelsea proved. But they do give up stuff at the other end of the pitch. They do give up stuff. It's a trade-off, isn't it? For all the midfield dominance and the pretty patterns and everything, to have so many players flooded in that area, you lose something right at the front end. So in games where, as you say, they're not 2-0 up after 15 minutes, then it starts to become a little bit frustrating for them. And there's no obvious, oh, well, so-and-so will get us a goal. It doesn't, it doesn't quite happen. And the, yeah, the, it did take it out of them, that Atletico um, doubleheader. Picked up a few injuries there. De Bruyne wasn't really fit, was he, for Wembley? So, yeah, I think that if Brighton come away with a draw, the, the, the kind of the trail had been left, hadn't it, that it, it could have happened. So, so let's back it, I think. The draw is 6.5. The draw at half-time is 2.71, if you think they're going to drag this out. Um, John, uh, the one player who, who scares me for Manchester City when, when they're playing my team doesn't seem to be playing much at the minute. Is Riyad Mahrez, who is by far, for me, the most frightening forward that they have. And you saw the, the dribble at the end later on. I know he was fresh to bring on, but it would seem that it, I'm you know I'm not going to tell Pep what to do here. Certainly not. But he, he hasn't really been involved all season from, from starting games. He, he, he's been a, a peripheral figure at times. Yeah, it's, it's got an inter- it'd be interesting to talk to Pep about what he thinks of Mahrez's role. I thought you'd say Mahrez, funnily enough, when you when you uh, said which play worries you. Uh, I suppose Sterling could be. Another one. Never but, been worried by Sterling. It, right, it, yeah. He misses too many opportunities. Yeah. Whereas Mares just—I know he has missed a—he you know, missed an open goal at the end of the, of the league game, but it was a, it was a, a tricky, a tricky one which he could have pulled off. But Sterling, I, I just Sterling gets really... into positions when when City are dominant. Mm. Sterling scores goals. He gets into good positions. Whereas Mares is a kind of player you can just give him the ball and he'll beat a couple of players almost entirely on his left foot. It was interesting because I, I, I watched. Was it Renan Lodi? I think for uh, Atletico defend against him. And he defended against him. He almost went uh, not goal side of him to defend against him. He, you know, he, because he said, right, I know what you're going to do. You're going to come back on your left foot. So I'm almost going to stand. You can have your right foot. All, all, everything on the right foot is yours. I'm standing, you know, you can go goal side of me. I'm going to stand back here. And it worked quite effectively against them. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, Pep's, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, when he's when he's in his uh, hilarious um, stand-up comedian routine before the Champions League and he says, oh yeah, I'm going to do something clever, you just watch. Um, he hasn't in the Champions League, has he? He's put out his best team in a straightforward formation, found ways of winning games. Um, overall, the overall piece, what he's, he's almost trying to show us that you don't need strikers in football, isn't he? He's trying to show us that just dominating games, having that level of control is enough to win your football matches. And almost, almost take any kind of um, uh, mercurial talent, any maverick talent out of the equation whatsoever. You just grind teams down and overwhelm them. And then the move that they do all the time, getting to the byline in the penalty area, cut it back for you know someone in that kind of position. Um, so they get linked with uh, Erling Haaland. And I think, how would he fit into, your, into that structure? Because they, they, they need a penalty box. Poacher is, is what they need. Someone who can, Luis Suarez would do it. You know, someone who could contrive a goal from a tight situation with a bit of skill and know-how in the penalty area. Uh, I think that's what they're that's what they're short of. Um, you know, we're saying all this, they should still beat Brighton, but I, I think there's, there's you know there's definitely something in that for Brighton. Maybe Brighton and low goals because there's no way Brighton are winning four. No, no way Brighton are banging in a load of goals in this, is, is there? I think, you know, we're not making that point, are we? Because City is still pretty solid defensively. 
Um, they're just a bit underwhelming, aren't they, for how good <laughs> for their points tally. Right, I'm going to call this then. Uh, Brighton and under two and a half goals is 26. You can have um, so a, a tight Brighton victory with what happened to Tottenham on Saturday. Under two and a half goals in the game is 2.3 anyway, and the Brighton double chance is 3.8. Dave Tindall, would you would you if the stats are there? You, you obviously, there's there's heart versus head, and we're here, we're here about the head. City should win against Brighton at home, but the the form. Would suggest if they, you know, these two teams, you just clash them together on form, there might be something in this for Brighton. Yeah, why, why not do that? Better you said. Palace went, Palace went there and won two 0 didn't they? Uh, it's been done uh, this season. Uh, what was it? Who was their other loss against at home? Man City's. They've drawn against Southampton, haven't they? Yeah. They lost another one at home. I'm sure they lost another one at home. They, they drew nil nil with Southampton. Uh, they lost to Tottenham. Oh yeah, that was a bit crazy. Yeah, we're not going to see that sort of uh, defeat. Yeah, as, uh, Brighton and under two and a half goals that gives you one nil and two nil Brighton. So maybe Brighton get the first goal. City just so frustrated and they uh, push and push for the equaliser, and then Brighton do them on the, the break with a Trossard goal in the 89th minute to land our bet. How about that? <laughs> and then Dave wakes up. <laughs> refreshed for the next day. Um, okay, that's Manchester City against Brighton. We think they've got so they've got something about them there, Brighton, and not this season, just a zero. Uh, and the final game on the on the Wednesday evening uh, after Man City against Brighton, we've got uh, Newcastle against Crystal Palace. Newcastle now, um, as we mentioned, Fortress St James's Park, two point four against Crystal Palace off the back of that defeat at Wembley, three point one. The draw is three point three three. Quick thoughts on this one, John. Over two and a half goals is 2.2. Uh, under two and a half is 1.68. Do Newcastle just continue uh, where they left off at the end of the game against Leicester on Sunday and, and meet a, a bedraggled Crystal Palace who really got nothing else to play for now? But then they're under Newcastle. Uh, I, I don't mind the draw in this one, really. Um, going against my own theory that, uh, you know, that teams, top quality teams these days don't just, just pack up. Uh, it's it's classically mid-table now, isn't it? These two are not going anywhere. Newcastle have done, they've done the job, haven't they? They, you know, all that money. We were all speculating because they were in deep trouble, weren't they? Going into the January transfer window, would they sign the right kind of players? Would they make the right decisions, or would they sign some, you know, would they sign Neymar or something and get relegated? But I think they, they signed pretty well, didn't they? I think they, you know, they, they've turned into a solid team not particularly exciting to watch or anything are they um, uh, Bruno Guimaraes scored two goals but there were two weird goals weren't they one you know the one that as I said earlier Kasper Michael sort of juggling it and he, you know, kicked it between his legs and then a last minute bullet header when they've when they you know launched a quick break so you're not looking you, you, I'm not yet looking at Newcastle and thinking wow they're exciting so, uh, San Maximum is another player Talk about, I guess this time of year, you're talking about players, aren't you, who, who just seem to have run out a little bit of steam. I mean, he's, he's, he is a terrific, exciting player. He's a, he's a real talent. I'm delighted that he's in the Premier League, but hasn't done a lot, really, has he, in terms of assists or goals in, in recent weeks. Um, Palace are, are decent, aren't they? They can they can hit you on the break. They can create chances. They're, they're, they're not a bad team, so... You know, they're definitely in this palace. They've got a chance of winning this game. Maybe, you know, the draw is a possibility. Dave, it's uh, five consecutive home wins for Newcastle United. It, it it really has been the 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 place that they've you know they've they've got themselves safe and 
they just seem to enjoy enjoy playing there now. The atmosphere is better, much better than than it was before, and uh, they're they're picking up victories and victories that are reasonably entertaining as well. Not yeah. Um... I don't know if they're reasonably yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Um, I never uh, like Newcastle as entertainers. Is it? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all the points made so far. I, I do. Um, even John's probably correct pronunciation of Guimarash when I was going to say Guimarash. Gim- Gimarash like, is yeah. He's probably, yes, John's Gim- just the commentator. Gim- Gimmo, <laughs> the big G. <laughs> but he was very impressive. He said he'd never ever scored with his head before. Uh, so sort of magical things are happening for him. He's looking very good, and he's the one. I think if you if you have a goal scorer, I bet you'd pick him rather than some Maximum. Who, who, I agree, does look. So he's just lost his spark. He, was, he tried a couple of runs against Leicester, just ran into traffic, or tried a stupid shot that went dragged wider over the bar. Um, but yeah, they they are they've turned into sort of a. I guess this is the first stage of of Newcastle's progression. They become a functional outfit until the flair players arrive later down the line. And they're doing a good job of this first, this sort of base camp towards the top. Uh, so I think it's a good time to play Palace. I think Palace will be flat. I think that, that was, you know, you're a game away from the FA Cup final. It's just frustrating that they didn't really maybe give it a bit more um, against Chelsea, it was felt a bit inevitable. So I think there will be a, a bit of flatness there. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't venture too far from something like a one nil to Newcastle or one nil or two nil. Uh, Gimarash is at nine first goal, four and a half any time. Uh, under two and a half goals is one point six eight. Um, if you just like Newcastle and Newcastle and, un- and under two and a half is four point five. So. A, a narrow Newcastle victory, uh, which is kind of where we'll go with this. Crystal Palace might take their frustrations out on somebody soon, but it, uh, it is now a tough place to go, Newcastle. Uh, that is the final of the four games we've been looking at on the Wednesday. Uh, next up, we will look at the final game of the midweek, which is on Thursday between Burnley and Southampton. <laughs> This is the sportsbet.io Premier League preview and we're looking ahead to Thursday's game now between Burnley and Southampton. John Driscoll and Dave Tyndall are with me. Uh, Burnley 2.83, Southampton 2.54. The draw is 3.33. The first game at Turf Moor without Sean Dyche. We'll see what the fans make of that and whether it means they get behind their team. We'll see. Again, we don't know... time of recording whether there will be an interim manager in which is seems to be the thing to do get someone in and see if they're any good uh, before the end of the season uh, whether that call will have been made to Rafa Benitez to just uh, nip up the M6 and see if he can drop in and do a job um, it's it's we mentioned at the weekend that Watford maybe were in the last chance saloon John Driscoll this is this is Burnley's last last throw the dice isn't it surely again we'll see what Everton have done against Leicester on Wednesday but they've they've got fixtures winnable fixtures and this is the first of them yeah yeah it's, it's not a terrible run of uh, fixtures I know their results haven't been great in that they you know the chances were there weren't they lost to Brentford uh, and lost to Norwich which is probably the one that well, it was the one that did for, for Sean Dyche but so they've got Southampton at home Wolves, all right, and then they go to Watford. They've got Villa twice, Spurs away, which is tricky, and, and then a home game against Newcastle to finish. So, 
it's 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 doable for for Burnley. You've just got to sort of believe that they're going to start picking up some points. I thought they were more likely to start picking up points when Sean Dice was there than having than now having sacked him. It's not it's not the kind of new manager bounce kind of situation where um, it's it, it where it's a mess and some obvious corrections would would immediately get you a couple of results and turn it around. That said, if Cornet hadn't um, taken that stupid penalty against West Ham, they'd have probably won the game. Yeah, they were one up and he decided to... Actually, almost, I, I thought he could have actually disallowed it if it had gone in, because he actually stopped, in my my opinion, and then he lost all momentum and dragged this shot horribly wide of the goal. Um, I mean, Southampton's not a bad team to play. I know they beat Arsenal the other day, but it was it was another poor game. Um Hassan Hootel is is chopping and changing around with his his striking options again. Uh, they were in a terrible run of form up, up to up to that game. It's it's an opportunity, it's a real opportunity for for Burnley. I'm not a believer in the the new manager bounce. I don't think there's. It, I, I've never really seen any evidence that it's a real thing. Um, but that that doesn't doesn't mean I'm not saying that Burnley might not win this game narrowly. Being a, it's perfectly feasible that they do. You know, one nil that kind of that kind of thing. Both with a pretty much similar form uh, coming into this the last the last five games, um, you're looking at one victory for each side, three defeats and a draw. Dave, do you think um, actually Burnley being the outsiders for this, and again we you ain't see what the atmosphere is like at Turf Moor. It, 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 it might just shake. I'm sure the fans knew they were in a, in a relegation battle, but it does it focus the minds somewhat that the manager's gone, and or, or is it? You know, resignation that ah, actually, if we lose this, it might just all fall apart completely. Well, I mean, this is obviously this is on Thursday night. If Everton have got beaten the night before, then they'll see a bit of an opening, won't they? They'll, they'll be a come on, lads, we can, you know, cut that gap. If Everton uh, do lose and Burnley can, like, they go level on points with them. Um, Everton have. Of, well, it's similar. <clears throat> By definition, if Everton lose and Burnley win, the, the goal difference is the same. Now Burnley would go above Everton. Yeah, so there's Everton a, into the bottom three. Yeah, yeah that, that's an incentive. Obviously, that we don't know what Everton will do, but yeah, they have got a decent run in Burnley. But, yeah, they've, they've got the last three games where they beat Everton. Yeah, they lost to Norwich, which was a stinker, but. But then they could have, they should have probably won at West Ham. So they could have, they've taken four points out of nine. That could be six out of nine. It's not a, it's not a team at complete rock bottom where you don't know where the next point's coming from. Uh, so I'm a little bit surprised that they are, they are the outsiders here because Southampton have, Southampton have, they quickly eliminated that nine, that six nil. So not nine. Should have been. Uh, should have been. Six nil at home to Chelsea. They quickly got out of the system by beating Arsenal, um, which you could argue, okay, they're, they're now set for a, a nice running. But, but I don't know. That I mean, they haven't played that many away games of, of late, to be honest. Southampton they've played a couple since the start of March. They got hammered four 0 at Villa, which wasn't very good. Obviously, they drew one uh, one at Leeds, who are in a similar situation to. Just, just, you know, Everton's and, and Burnley. Uh, so, yeah, I think on the prices, if if, if Burnley were a terrible price, um, I'd say no. But given that 
they're the underdogs. I think they're worth a little go, maybe. Okay, so he quite fancy Burnley. 2.83. The draw is 3.33. Southampton, 2.54. Um, the double chance is there for Burnley to get something at 1.5. Uh, Southampton coming into it again with variable form. So do you think, just to finish, Sean, do you think Burnley have, have got a, a chance to keep themselves in the fight? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't see them as underdogs for this game. I mean, it's a tough one to call, but yeah, it's not that I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, Southampton should go there and beat Burnley. That's that's not in your mindset, is it? I, I think Burnley, I think low scoring would be uh, the place I'd look. Okay, that's uh, Burnley against Southampton, the final game of the uh, oh, this midweek uh, Premier League preview podcast. Uh, Burnley. Fighting to stay alive against uh, against Southampton at Turf Moor. We'll wait and see what Everton have done the night before. Uh, thank you uh, to my guests, Dave Tyndall and John Driscoll. I've been David Easton. This has been the Sportsbet.io Premier League Preview Podcast. Uh, it is a sports betting media production. We're back yet again, looking ahead to the more Premier League games uh, this weekend. Uh, please, always gamble responsibly. Visit BeGambleAware.org and um, have a, a settled and happy midweek post-Easter as the football continues on and on and on. End of the season, not far away now. This has been the Sportsbet.io Premier League Preview Podcast. We'll see you again very soon. Clubhouse Premier League Betting Previews with Sportsbet.io Previewing every game of the English Premier League. Listen to Clubhouse Radio with Sportsbet.io for all the best bets as the games are being played. Please gamble responsibly.